Today is International Peace Day. I just learned yesterday that there was such a thing as an International Peace Day, so please excuse me for that ignorance. Now I just learned that it's been going on since 1972. So we've had a lot of peace since 1972. <laughs> the first thing I learned when I heard there's an international peace state called by the United Nations was how shallow that shows the United Nations to be, that they have an international peace day. As if they're just, they're just going to hold hands and say Om or something once a day in a year and expect that there can be peace. Anyway, it's a good platform for shallow people to raise some platitudes and talk about peace and love. But how actually can peace be established in the world? Can it be established in the world? Why is there not peace? It's there doesn't seem any real reason why there shouldn't be peace. Why can't the leaders of the world just get together and talk like reasonable people and solve all the problems? What's that say? Instead of war, 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 there should be jaw, jaw, jaw. But the war, war, war goes on. It doesn't seem right. Why should that be? Why should anyone want to now At the beginning of the 21st century, the great fear is there of terrorism. Not just fear, but it's there all the time. Had any terrorism in Seattle yet? Didn't happen. Not yet. Not directly. Yeah, as you say, I live in India where it's, it's part of... Recently there are bomb blasts in Bombay. I was on an overnight train to Bombay when we got woken up in the middle of the night and the people trying to pull us out. Don't go, there's just been bomb blasts. But if we st- joining and leaving the conference, participants will hear silence. So, uh, but I said, well, if we stay here, then we, there might be bombs here also. So, we can go on to Bombay and if it's our fate to be bombed to pieces, then we'll be bombed to pieces. If not, well, if we say we won't travel around because we're afraid some place is stricken by terrorism, but you don't know whether you could uh, sit safely, you could uh, get down from the train and go and be killed in a car crash. <laughs> how to how to establish peace? Why should people do such nasty things as putting bombs in trains during the rush hour? flying airplanes into big buildings and killing everyone. Why should they do that? It seems that people should be very reasonable and not cause suffering to others. What's the solution? Well, this world is a world of violence. If we think of peacefulness, we'd like to live in peace, isn't it? We'd like to live in a nice, peaceful place in the country, lots of trees, animals, birds chirping, 
that sounds like an idyllic, peaceful situation, doesn't it? What do you think? Live in the country, birds chirping. I saw an interesting thing just a few weeks ago. There was a bird sitting on this uh, telegraph line early in the morning singing very sweetly. I can't imitate it. God has not given us the facility to sing sweetly like birds. Singing very, very sweetly. But then I saw under its, under its one foot there was an insect. It caught a fly and the fly was struggling. And sometimes the bird would lift its foot a little bit so the insect would try to get away and then again it would come down like a cat playing with a mouse. And the bird would go on singing so sweetly. It was singing so sweetly but at the same time it was torturing an insect. And presume I didn't hang around, but presumably the bird eventually ate the insect. So the insect was thinking, why is this bird being so nasty to me? The bird is singing so sweetly. Poets write about the bird singing sweetly in the morning, but that same bird singing sweetly in the morning is torturing an insect and will eventually kill it and eat it. So the idyllic peaceful situation that we think of, mostly we think of it because we're all stuck in these big cities, but people at least have a, as the most popular wallpaper is scenes of country scenes. People like to live in the country where it's peaceful. But the peacefulness of the countryside is not actually peaceful at all. The plants and the animals and the birds and the insects are all struggling against each other. The, anim the, the bird which looks so sweet and sings so sweetly is looking for some insect to kill and eat. The plants, they've shown that with these slow motion films, they're struggling against each other, struggle for survival. The nature of this world is that every living being is struggling and there's some cooperation among species. Some, just like wolves, they cooperate together. But they cooperate for what? To find some other animal to rip to pieces and kill. So there's some cooperation and there's a lot of killing. And even if we don't kill, we may be sworn to peacefulness. But anyway, we have to die. So on the whole, the world is not a very nice place. And we desire peace so that we can live happily. But anyway, we don't live happily because we have to die anyway. So this question of peace, how can we achieve that? It's not actually possible in this world to achieve idyllic an idyllic peaceful situation because we have to die, we have to suffer disease, we have to suffer old age, suffering in so many ways. Even people, they make all arrangements to live very peacefully and nicely, but you can't tell what will happen. George Harrison, I heard George Harrison, someone just told me he's very popular in this city, is that right? Bernie, you were telling. Is it? People that are into George Harrison here? No. That's Liverpool. That's the other side of the Atlantic pool. 
So uh, he was, during the 1980s, late 1970s and 1980s, where everyone in Europe was certain that it's just a matter of time before we all get evaporated in nuclear explosions. Everyone was certain. There was in uh, they were just sure. It's like there's no point in even discussing it. It's just a matter of time before we all get vaporized. That's the word. We all get vaporized by either Leonid's gifts or Ronnie's gifts. Either coming from the Soviet Union or America. So it just depends which side of the Iron Curtain you were on. We're all going to get vaporized. So people were... So George Harrison, he... Uh, he bought some island off the, somewhere out in the Pacific. He, he calculated what would be the furthest place away from any nuclear bombs or nuclear fallout. But then he, he was living very peacefully in his peaceful home in Oxfordshire in England and someone came and stabbed him for no reason. It seems, no reason. The famous prophet of peace, Mahatma Gandhi. He was speaking of peace, but he was killed by violence. Because, anyway, I'll get back to that. And then another modern prophet of peace, John Lennon, he was singing, give peace a chance. Imagine living in a world where everyone is just living for today. Imagine there's no heaven, and there's no hell, there's just the sky above, and there's no religion, and Everyone's just living for today. Imagine, imagine, imagine. And someone imagined what the world would be like with John Lennon and shot in bed. So it's ironic that people who are speaking so much for peace, they, uh, at least two, they died by violence. Actually, in the case of Mahatma Gandhi, it's, uh, it's interesting that his policy or, or his policy caused so much and is still causing so much violence. His non-violence caused so much violence. What happened, you may know, is that uh, by the British gift to the certain Muslims of British India, they, a parting kick as they left India, they divided the country and they created India and Pakistan, two countries, a new country, Pakistan. So there was an agreement that after the division, uh, half or, or the proportionate amount of the wealth of the, that was lodged in Delhi and the, the weaponry would go to Pakistan that the newly created state of India would give a proportionate amount of weapons and money and everything else. But what happened was the, the country split and then all the, everything was in Delhi and the, the new Indian government thought, well, we don't want to give it all to them. We don't want to give any weapons to them. They'll just use it to attack us. But then Mahatma Gandhi went on one of his famous hungers, fast to death, fasts to death and said, well, if you don't, it's only fair. We promised we should give it. So if you don't give it, I'm going to fast to death. 
And some people were saying, well, let him die. But eventually the public sentiment, he was so popular. So eventually the public sentiment came to a point that the leaders in Delhi, they were forced to give the tanks and guns and bombs and money to Islamabad, the new capital of Pakistan. And sure enough, within a few months they organized and they attacked India. Which is why Naturam Godse shot Mahatma Gandhi dead. Because of his policy, which up to the present day is causing so much... Of course, it's a very complex political scene, but uh, it could be said that his policy has contributed to the ongoing violence in India today. So he, his idea was, let's be fair, let's be nice, and do what we promised, but then uh, the, the result of that was terrible fighting, which is going on even today. So, how to find peace? Well, so far I've been talking about peace at the international level. There's also peace at the individual level. If we're talking about peace, there's, do you feel peaceful? You can take drugs to make you feel peaceful. That's artificial. Or one can do some meditation and try to... We're talking, there's some talk here about mantra meditation. Then you can feel peaceful. Uh, one may feel peaceful if one is not concerned, if one is not concerned with what happens to him, that's the only that's the only way you can feel peaceful. That's stated in Bhagavad Gita. There are so many examples how one should be free from duality. One should be steady in loss and gain. That means if you lose everything you have, unaffected. And if someone comes up and says, here's uh, $20 billion gift for you, then you're also, you don't, you don't become elated when you gain something and you don't become distressed when you lose something. When someone insults you, you don't become distressed. And when someone honors you, you don't become elated. So this equanimity of mind, such a person and attain peacefulness. He's not. That requires practically not to, to not to interact with the world, largely to stop our interactions with the world, to perceive that well, everything here is temporary. I don't have anything to do with it. I am eternal, spiritual being, and in this way, one can become peaceful. Yogis they leave this world to go and meditate, thinking that everything here is Maya. I won't be involved in it and that way I can be peaceful. That's the attempt. It's not so easy. But one can attempt to be peaceful in this way. However, maya, or the energy of illusion, is very powerful. And it's difficult to attain peace. It's easy to talk about it. One can talk about going away and meditating. There's a story of the yogi who was told to send by his guru to meditate in a cave and don't keep 
any possessions because then you'll become attached and if you become attached to anything then you won't be peaceful so he only had his copin which is a loincloth something to wrap around the genital area so he had two he'd change it he'd bathe and change it and wash it every day and change it every day so then he saw that the the he was hanging it out to dry and one rat would come and eat it so he had a problem he had he was trying to be peaceful but his peacefulness was disturbed by a rat who was eating his loincloth so he thought what to do i'd better keep a cat so he got a cat and he thought now i'll be very peaceful but then the cat was coming and rubbing against him he needs some milk so the cat needs some milk and here i am on the side of a mountain so what to do all right i'll get a cow but then if anyone's ever kept a cow our young parents are disturbed by their children but a cow is like a child and they don't grow up i mean they do grow up but you just have they 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 require lots of attention so he didn't have time to look after the cow which he needed to give milk for the cat so the cat would chase the rat away so that he could meditate peacefully so i need to, how can i look after this cow then i need a wife <laughs> so then the wife once well it's very nice you're meditating but where's the money i have to go to the uh, i have to go to the store and buy some food so then he had to get a job and then get a house and after some time his guru came and visited him and said well what happened what happened to here you are living in a big house you have lots of children and cows and cats and what happened to the meditation he said well it's all for the meditation i when i get when i get i just have to manage all my business and then you know i get you know, 15 minutes a day to do meditation so that i can be peaceful enough to maintain the house so i can maintain the wife so i can maintain the cow so i can maintain the cat so the rat doesn't come and i can meditate so this is material life it it entangles us so the yogis they go away and they try to become disentangled so they can be peaceful but it's very difficult it's very easy to get entangled in this material life how can we become peaceful especially in the modern age it uh, we like to keep pictures like the wallpaper on our computers we like to keep pictures of peaceful scenes and you can even you can play sounds of the wind rustling through the trees <laughs> as outside there's the sound of the cars honking and people shouting and people screaming at night depends where you are i don't know what seattle's like i don't live here but there are many places where you're trying to sleep peacefully at night and there are werewolves running around at night drunken and throwing bottles and like that just like in the center of any big famous city like london or that uh, i was just staying there recently and it's a normal thing in the middle of the night that where we have a temple there that people are making sounds it sounds like a a movie set from hell but it's just people enjoying themselves it's screaming and smashing bottles and this is people's idea of having a good time so how can we find peace in such a crazy world 
Actually, it is crazy because, again, I state in Bhagavad Gita that uh, Ashantasya Kutasukam, Shanti. Maybe you've heard this word, Shanti. It's the Sanskrit word for peace, and it's popular among Hindus and Buddhists. So, one who is not peaceful, how can they have happiness? It's a rhetorical question that Lord Krishna asks in Bhagavad Gita. Ashantasya kuta sukham. Where is the happiness for one who has no peace? And we can practically see that the people are making so many endeavors for happiness by acquiring money and big buildings and having international day of peace and going on holidays and when it's cold turning on the heater and when it's hot turning on the air conditioner and in various ways people are trying to be happy but they don't know what the basis is that even if they have millions of dollars you can't be happy if you don't have a peaceful mind you'll always be the very nature of one who hasn't has doesn't have a peaceful mind is that he must be always agitated always discontent so inner peace comes from not desiring anything no desire this is the famous teaching of the Buddha. One should not have desire. Of course, in the modern age especially, the whole consumer society runs on increasing desire. The modern cons- the consumer society as it is today, it doesn't work unless there's desire. That's why there's advertisements everywhere. Buy this, buy that, use this surf always trying to increase our desires that your life can be better your life will be better you will be happy if you use this brand of soap by using what's the popular brand of soap it's all multi multinational right Persil you have in this country surf dove dove is the popular one okay so by using dove soap then you're just by using that soap, you will achieve immense happiness. You can see in the advertisement. They're agreeing here also. Someone's blowing in there. So, they advertise like that. The whole advertising industry is based on the presumption, and it seems to be a pretty good presumption, that people are stupid. That you show, some, you show people being happy by using some kind of car tire, or buying a certain kind of car, or using a certain kind of soap, and you show, just like Coke or Pepsi, no one, if you just left it in the store, no one would ever buy it, because it's not that great, is it? I mean, I haven't drunk it for over 30 years, but it wasn't that great 30 years ago, and I'm sure it hasn't improved that much in the meantime. But if it was just there in the store, would anyone come in and say, give me a Pepsi? No, you have to advertise it, and they show people are drinking Pepsi, and they're happy. And they make a, people think, okay, I'll drink a Pepsi. Go, 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 go. Where's the happiness? But they show it again on the advert. Okay, let's try again. And again, and again, and again. And beer and everything. They advert, you will be happy. So it's a fraud. Everyone knows. It's a bluff. But people are so stupid that they go on buying it. That's the proof. No, 
No one ever became happy by drinking Pepsi or any brand of beer or anything, but people go and buying it because they're, they're bluffed into thinking they will be happy by doing so. So the, the whole society is running on increasing our desires. Get a car, get another car, this car is really the best car. This car is, you can even feel good about being a, about being green and ecological because this car gives less poison than other cars. So you can be a good ecological citizen and don't poison your other citizens as much as you would if you bought other cars. So in this way our desires are increased and increased and increased and the more our desires are increased the less we can be peaceful. So we see that now the whole world is so much technologically advanced and there are so many facilities by which people are supposed to attain comfort and happiness by having tremendous facilities for attaining all different kinds of happiness, but no one's happy. And if people are miserable and they're so miserable that even without any reason it seems, uh, from time to time people pull a gun and shoot someone dead or just... Uh, punch someone in the face or, or verbal abuse and even that's uh, promoted among some people as being something desirable that if if you're na- you're a, the ability to be nasty to others and the ability to snap back with a with a what's that like, with a clever reply and smoke a cigarette and be kind of mean that's promoted among certain people. If they think, well, that, that's cool, you know, if you can be really streetwise and nasty and sharp and hold your own and no one can get on top of you. That's the rugged individual who doesn't take any crap from anyone. So the rugged individual is a lonely person. <laughs> lonely. Suffering. One has to show that one is very happy. That's required. One should always show that it is, that we are happy because it's considered something socially reprehensible not to be happy. But inside people are suffering because they're desiring more and more and more to attain worldly goods, but there's no happiness there. But then again, mere renunciation of worldly goods, that also doesn't bring happiness in and of itself. What is it? Why is it that people are so frustrated individually and the world situation is so nasty that terrorism, war... What's what's the root cause of all of this? What's the root cause of the world being so... Nasty, actually. We can think it's a nice... Let's live peacefully. But the world is nasty. The animals are eating animals. Humans are eating animals. Why is it like that? It's living beings are causing suffering to each other. <coughs> well, since you've come to listen to me, and I'm not a spokesman for every opinion on earth, but I'm following a particular path. I'll tell you what Lord Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, which is how 
we can individually and the whole world can attain peace. There are three things to be understood. Three points to be understood. They're not, intellectually they're not difficult to understand. But it's difficult for people to digest them. Because it requires, a, or for people to accept them. Because it requires a wholesale change in our whole way of thinking. So the three points, I'll say in Sanskrit, because Bhagavad Gita is spoken in Sanskrit. Then a Bhuktaram Yagya Tapasam, Sarva Loka Maheshwaram, Suhridam, Sarva Bhutanam, Gyatva Mang, Shantim Richati. You heard that word again? Shanta. Shanti. Peace. How one can attain peace? Lord Krishna says there are three things to be understood. Bhuktaram Yagya Tapasam. Bhukta means the enjoyer. Yagya is translated into English as sacrifice and tapas means austerity. Now, a little bit of background of Vedic culture is required to understand this. That Vedic society or what could be called ancient or pristine Indian society is based on yagya, sacrifice. That the whole society cooperates to produce, not rubber tires and factory goods, but the gifts of nature are in an organized effort. They are produced. Grains, ghee. Ghee means, uh, it's translated as clarified butter. From, it's produced from milk. And also other uh, valuable things, valuable Items which are taken from nature, gems, gold, but primarily grains and ghee are offered into fire as sacrifice with mantras. It's supposed to be some mantra meditation at the end of this session. I'll just look at my watch here. So, this is offered for the sake of invoking. Well, there are various levels on which it's done, but it's meant for invoking cosmic blessings on society so that everyone can live in prosperity and peace in this life and in future lives also. Because it's understood that we're not just here in one life, so that it's, peace can be maintained in society generation after generation. And those who are participants, which means the whole society, they can attain peace, uh, and in and in a future life they can attain a good destination also. Now this is a very very big topic. We talk about the caste system, the much maligned caste system of India, which was actually a scientific division originally before it became misused, as things are prone to be misused. That in every society there are intellectuals, administrators merchants and workers. So this Vedic society recognized this and stratified people in uh, in these roles and uh, people were trained in these roles and they cooperated together and produced grains, ghee and other such things. And the, the, the workers would work and the merchants would, or the farmers would organize that 
and the administrate they would organize the farming and the administrators would administrate society and they would organize yagyas or sacrifices and brahmanas they would provide the knowledge and they would chant the mantras because chanting mantras actually you it's not that anyone can just chant a mantra but one it, it has to be chanted in a particular way the pitch has to be exactly correct the pronunciation has to be correct and the persons who are chanting they have to be very pure in their lifestyle for mantras actually to have effect so anyway this yagya it's a little it's it's a very big subject but in summary krishna is saying that it should be understood that all of this should be organized all this yagya sacrifice and austerity this is also part of vedic society whereas in modern society uh, everything or, or materialistic society or grossly materialistic society is based on how everyone can enjoy themselves as much as possible how you can enjoy your senses you can your tongue ears nose belly genitals they should all be indulged as much as possible but the vedic society was based on restraint and self control so krishna says that one should understand that the enjoyer or the beneficiary of, of, of all of these that should all be offered to him to krishna it should not be done simply it, it should not be done for one's own benefit or even for society's benefit devoid of knowledge of him who is krishna well sometimes we say god although god the 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 connotations which come with the word god doesn't exactly fit krishna but for lack of any other term in english we can say god so krishna is the enjoyer of all activities because in vedic society all activities center on sacrifice all comes together in sacrifice then uh, sarva loka maheshwaram he is the controller of all planets and all living beings now they are very interested to send probes into our uh, into space to the local planets which is just next door but space is much bigger than our tiny little solar system but uh, all these planets if at all we are to accept that there is a god and it'd be pretty stupid not to although that's another subject um but then why are there this vast universe with millions of stars is it just so that lovers can hold hands at night and say don't the stars look beautiful is that no god has created all the planets all the stars they're all inhabited we may we may not have the eyes to see the kind of beings that are on the different planets but they're full of the whole universe is full of living beings just as the, we walk on the land and birds fly in the sky and different creatures live in the water and some live in the earth and now they've discovered although it's already written in the vedic literature long before that there's life even within fire so there are there are different living beings who have bodies suitable for living on different planets where we may not even have the sensory apparatus to perceive them so we go and we take photos and we speculate 
well, there may be life, there may not be. There is life, but we don't have the ability to perceive it. So he is the controller of all planets and suhridam sarvabhutanam. Suhrit means friend, heart-to-heart friend of all living beings. One who knows these three things can attain peace. Now, in material life, we're all endeavoring to get what we can for ourselves. And that may be extended, not just me, but God bless America. We, we, America, we're for America. Although, if you go to other countries, you may find that some people are saying, God damn America. They, they have a different outlook because they're not Americans and they perceive that America is the great Satan which hurt American sentiments. We're God-fearing people. But other people who consider themselves believers in God consider America to be the great Satan. So our even our perceptions of God, we think that God should protect me and my people. Therefore, even that's why John Lennon was singing in his song, Imagine, a world where everyone is living very peaceful, no religion too. There should be no religion. As a, a common argument against religion is that, well, religion, they cause all the world's wars. They've caused all the world's worst wars. Actually, religion never caused any war. But... Uh, misconception of what religion is has caused so many wars. My, I remember my religious education as a kid. I was, I was brought up being taught how, how the Protestant, I was brought in, raised in a Catholic family. So our religious education, we didn't learn much about God, but we learned about how the Protestants used to, Irish Catholic background. So we used to hear about how the Protestants had tortured all the Catholics and graphic stories of their torturing them and killing them. We didn't hear anything about how the Catholics tortured and killed the Protestants. So, it's it, you know, people write history according to their outlook and we, we take God as our partner in crime, that he's on our side. God bless America and damn everyone else. And on the other side of the, of the ocean, they say, God damn America. God's for us. We are the chosen people. So our, we, we take God as someone that we should enjoy ourselves and, and me and my people, we should enjoy and God should help us. That's his job. He's on our side. He's our, he's our cheerleader. God's, on, God's behind us. But he is the proprietor of all planets and he's the friend of all living beings. It's not that he loves one race of people more than any other race of people or, or that he, he even uh, likes the humans better than the cows in fact one of Krishna's name is Gopal he likes the cows but we presume that we just like in the what is that in Genesis it says that God gave man dominion over the animals so they take that to mean that Man should has a right to slaughter all the all the animals, but it's just that's a gross misunderstanding because if just like if you go away for the weekend and you ask your neighbors, can you look after my kids? And you come back and you say, well, 
and I came back now. Where, where are the kids? I looked after them. Well, what do you do? Well, I looked after them. And they, they, they tasted very nice. I looked after them very well. So, the animals are also creatures of God, but we think we have a right to kill and slaughter them. We, we are horrified by stories of terrorism and killing, and why should people do that? But terrorism is going on around, all around us, and we don't see it in the newspaper. But animals are being tortured and slaughtered in the millions all around us. Abortion is also, the, 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 uh, the fetus in the womb also is a living being. But we've decided that we have the right to kill. We didn't, we don't have the, we don't have the technology to create living beings. That is a gift from nature, given by God. But we've decided that it's practical to kill the children in the womb. So we can have peace marches and days of peace, International Peace Day. How many people are going to get killed in bombings today on this day of peace? How many murders are there going to be? How many uh, animals are being slaughtered on this International Day of Peace? But the violence will go on. And especially because uh, in modern society there is so much violence which we have, uh, what's that word? Made antiseptic? What's the word? wrapped it all up and made it look very nice. You can go in your store and buy nice plastic packed meat. And so you don't see this you don't see the animals screaming. So but it's violence is there. So peace, absolute and pure peace in this world is not possible anyway, because the world by its nature is a world of envy. We're in this world because we're not in the spiritual world. We're spiritual beings. We desire peace. We desire eternal and pure happiness. But we're in this material world because we have left the spiritual world, which is the world of eternal peace and happiness, which is the world of recognizing our position as servants of Krishna. Servants means not that he's whipping us, but it's a, a natural exchange of love. But having come to this material world and rejecting that, we have to suffer in this material world. It's a world of envy and struggle and suffering. However, some modicum of peace in society can be established if the aim of society is to recognize God, again, it's not... Anyway, I'll say, if I say Krishna, you don't know what I mean. We have, it's, it's a big topic to understand Krishna. But if we say God, that has so many connotations. The supreme person, the supreme loving being, if society is centered on the quest 
to understand him and please him, then there can be cooperation and peace in society to at least to some extent. Although the nature of this world is that it's a world of struggle and that even if we try to establish peace, then others will take advantage of that. Now, just like for instance, if we if we say we should have pure peace, non-violence, ahimsa, no more violence. If, if for instance, uh, in America, it was decided, everyone decided, from the White House down to the broken-down houses, and in everything in between, everyone decided from now on. We're not going to do any more. There's going to be no more violence. We're not under no circumstances are we going to punish anyone, or we're not going to fight with anyone. Well, then what happens is immediately the country will be invaded, and even within the country there will be persons who take advantage of them. Just like when the police go on strike, what happens? Immediately people come with their trucks to loot and, and break the shops. Because they know there's no no one's going to stop me. The police are on strike, so that we can see from this that the violence or the threat of it is required in society to maintain the peace. Actually, it's a fact. It's a it's a dichotomy of society that to maintain peace, violence is required. Because if you if you don't, yeah, anyway, the example is clear. That's why they have United Nations peacekeeping forces. They, are, they go and kill people with the idea that, uh, well, if we don't kill them, they'll kill more people. So there's some truth in that also. That's the, that's the reasoning, although it doesn't seem so plausible in this case. It's the reasoning of the U.S. and British and other troops in Afghanistan and Iraq. But if society can be on such a level of consciousness that everyone is sworn to the principle of spiritual advancement, then there's no need of police or army or any such thing. John Lennon was singing of that. Imagine. Imagine such a world. In the Vedic literature, it's described that there was a period in human society when that existed. There was no government, there was no police force, it was pure anarchy. Now the idea, of, when we say anarchy, we think of chaos. But the principle of anarchy is that there's anarchy, there's no there's no, there's no uh, nepotism, or there's no uh, fascism, there's no communism, there's no need for any ism, because people are just so civilized that they live peacefully together. So that was there in the first age of humanity. The Vedic literature describes that time is cyclical. There are, just like there are four seasons, so there are four uh, ages of mankind which go around and around. The modern science has adopted the <coughs> biblical concept of linear time. Unthinkingly, they adopted it. They just presumed that time is linear, there's like a beginning and maybe there'll be an end. But if there's eternity, it's 
which it's pretty difficult to think of anything but eternity. Just when you say, well, the world was created and before that there was nothing. But we can't imagine there being nothing because time, by the very meaning of time, is eternal. So the Vedic literature describes that within the material world there are cycles of time. Time is not linear. It's not that there's, well, there's a beginning and an end, but the end is the beginning. So there are cycles, and in the Satya Yuga, the age of truth, there, everyone was sworn to spiritual advancement. There was no government, there was no organization of society, and everyone lived very peacefully. But then in the next stage, Treta Yuga, then uh, Adharma, or non-dharma. Dharma is translated as religion. Again, there's no real translation in English. Uh, but non-religious principles became introduced. So it became necessary to have some police force. And that has increased. And the Adharma, or irreligious principles, have increased in human society more and more now we live in Kali Yuga, which means the age of quarrel in which Adharma, or irreligious principles, are prominent. So the, the principles of religion on which peace can be established are mercy, mercifulness, truthfulness, cleanliness, and austerity. And the four principles which destroy religion, people discuss are you a Christian? Are you a Hindu? Are you a Buddhist? But from the Vedic vantage point, these, this discussion is not very meaningful. First we should discuss what are the principles of religion. It doesn't matter so much whether you have a rubber stamp on your head, Christian, Hindu, Muslim, whatever. But what are the principles of religion? These are the principles and they are destroyed by violence, especially in the form of uh, meat-eating, gambling, intoxication, and illicit sex. Illicit sex means uh, sex which is indulged in simply for the simply for pleasure of the senses. Whereas uh, the function of sex as given by nature is to produce children. So the consciousness of the parents at the time of copulation, that attracts a certain kind of soul. Which is why in Vedic society, sex was considered very carefully. It should, one should prepare oneself, one's consciousness, one should be in purified consciousness, so as to attract uh, an elevated soul to take birth in that womb. For the benefit of society. But again, quoting John Lennon, somehow or other, I'm quoting John Lennon a lot. Right? He made the observation that most children today are born over a bottle of whiskey on Saturday night. So, what kind of children can you expect? And what kind of society can you expect? So, how can there be peace in human society? Well, first of all, what is the goal of human society? That should be seen. How can there be peace individually? And at the societal and at the international level, we should see what is the go what is our goal? What are we living for? What are we doing here? If the goal of life is simply to 
enjoy ourselves, then we're all going to be competitors, and definitely there's going to be strife. At, at the local level, in within families, if there, if there is such a thing as a family left, there's strife. So that what was a normal thing previously, in maybe our grandparents' generation, that a man and a woman get married, and yeah, they might have a few, you know, run-ins here and there, but they just live together throughout throughout their lives. But that's become uncommon, because even in the home, people can't live peacefully. And then uh, they, you have all the, you know, like the seven. What is this? How to be, how to win friends and influence people, which means how to win friends and exploit people in a nice way. And they, they made, beginning from Dale Carnegie, who of course was so uh, friendly to everyone and so happy that he committed suicide for all his being nice to everyone. He didn't really know how to be his, his being nice to others was how to. He discovered that by being nice to people, you can get more out of them. And that's been developed into you know, Kaviyism, the seven habits, and the win-win. And the, there's no win-win. Everyone is out for themselves, basically. So as long as that consciousness is there, there can never be peace in human society. What is the focus? There's so many things we can talk about. The modern society, they're exploiting the earth, exploiting everything, mindlessly. It, it doesn't make any sense how we're polluting the whole environment. We won't stop. And it's, it's, it's already causing disaster. It's going to cause... But no, one, no one's going to stop it. I mean, here in Seattle, there was a big demonstration. How many years ago was that? They had the... the uh, when was that? Three, four years ago? Five years ago, it was a big demonstration. Did it stop anything? It makes sense what you're saying, right? But is anyone listening? No, because money, everyone wants, and it will go on. So, uh, we're trying at a grassroots level to introduce the principles of peace, realistic principles of peace, not... Not something, you know, close your eyes and say Om and pretend everything's nice. But realistically, it's required that people's consciousness be raised. That starts with the individual. If every individual, any individual can decide that my life is not meant for attempted exploitation of others and being exploited by others. That my life, first of all, I have to understand, who am I? What are we doing in this world? What am I doing with my life? Simply to live this life even very peacefully means if, if you live peacefully in America, you can't help but do so by exploiting others because the whole, not just America, I'm not anti-American, no, I'm just speaking about how the world is going on. The Western countries are living by exploiting others. The raw materials and the, the labor of people in other parts of the world. It, we, it seems impossible to stop that. They, you can make demonstrations and this and that, but it's, it's, there, there are certain people who... It's the law of the jungle. Certain pe In the jungle, the, 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 the animals don't come together and make a 
peace meeting. The lion goes out and swipes a, a deer or whatever and eats it. So it's, that's going on in human society. Might makes right. People have got more money, they're, they're exploiting others and they put a nice face on it, but it's going on. And You can make conspiracy theories and expose them and make a revolution and throw them all out and then someone else will come and do the same thing. So I, I, I'm not very hopeful of political maneuvers. It happens all the time. French Revolution, Liberté, Egalité, Fraternity, and cut their heads off. That was the French In the name of making a better society, they, it ended up in bloodshed. And then uh, Napoleon came along who led the French people into a worse situation than uh, any Louis-Philippe or Marie Antoinette could ever do. He, was, he uh, caused so many French people to be killed. So that's... That's the way of the world. That's the laws of nature at the, the lower level. That there will always be people of poor, con lower consciousness who want to exploit others. And there's very little John citizen or Jane citizen can do about it. But we can individually develop our own consciousness. We can be free from this in as much as we don't, uh, we don't contribute to it. How can we do that? I mean, you have to you have to eat your food, you have to pay the bugs to get your food. Uh, how, how to do that? So, raising consciousness. By raising our consciousness uh, and not participating in this society, in, uh, we can be free from its most pernicious effects. And we say, how can you be free from this society? Well, we can't. We can and we can't. The example is given in Bhagavad Gita of a lotus leaf, which is on the water, but at the same time it never interacts with the water. If you put water on a lotus leaf, you can see it'll make little drops, very round, and it'll fall down. The water, it's in the water, but it's not affected by it. So by understanding, I'm running over time here, by understanding the, the principles uh, that we are eternal spiritual beings, we don't actually belong in this world anyway. We're, we're, we're in a wrong situation. We're the mouse in the trap. The mouse in the trap is not going to be peaceful. But we don't have to remain in this world. We're in this world because of our lower consciousness by which we identify with it and the principles of it. That's why it's said that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely because the seed of the, the seed of corruption is in the heart of the greatest idealist. How to purify that? That requires a wholesale change of consciousness. Instead of thinking ourselves... I shall, we shall make peace so that we can all enjoy ourselves separately from Krishna. That is the seed of all non-peace, the seed of all violence, corruption, and everything else that we don't want. So that's it, philosophically. And practically, how to do that? Well, mantra meditation. And a lot more. I mean, it's a big... There's so many things to be said. But this just giving a, a clue, a direction.
that you may wish to pursue further. It's up to you. You have the freedom to choose. Modern society is based on people should have freedom. So you have the freedom to choose. I have many things to say about freedom also. I'm not a great advocate of freedom because it, without proper education, freedom is it's just like giving freedom to a bunch of monkeys. If you don't teach people how to live properly, then just like monkeys, they cause monkeys, they just make a big mess of everything. In India, even today in the cities, monkeys are roaming pests and they're big. They cause a they break up, they just love to break up everything. So modern society is producing a bunch of educated monkeys, actually. Without proper education of how to use our freedom properly, then uh, this freedom is just a disaster. Anyway, that's another topic. The topic is peace. So, peace, man, and let's have some mantra meditation. There's a lot more to be discussed about this, but we brought some books. Books are available here, you can see. I've written a few books on some of these subjects, and our Guru Dave has written so many books. I was speaking from Bhagavad Gita, which is a book of peace spoken on a battlefield. Can you imagine that? And Krishna didn't tell the battle to stop. He said the battle should go on. People misunderstand and think Bhagavad Gita is a book of violence. But it's not. It's a book of peace. Yeah, this is Bhagavad Gita as it is. Where's our mantra meditation guru? Madhav, where did he go? He was going to do the, the mantra meditation thing? Huh? You're going to start momentarily. After you momentarily. That's a modern misuse of the word. In a moment. Okay. So this is Bhagavad Gita as it is. That's available here. This is a book about mantra meditation. Chant and be happy. The author of this book, it's uh, it's a transcription of his discussions with John Lennon and George Harrison on the subject of how to attain peace by chanting Hare Krishna, which you may remember John in his song, Give Peace a Chance, he also quoted Hare Krishna, among other things, along with John and Yoko and Timothy Leary and Thomas Lee, Tim, what is it? Thomas Smothers. He was famous at the time, not famous now. Bob Dylan, he's still famous. And George Harrison also. Give peace a chance. No, no. What is it? My sweet Lord. So, he was advising them how they could attain peace in their lives. Where's our mantra meditator. We're all mantra meditators. But Madhav, you're going to do that? You're going to do it? Okay, please go ahead. This is Veda Narayan Das, who's from a family of priests in South India. Traditionally, these people are very intelligent and very pure in their habits. Uh, from time immemorial, you, ter- you trace your family line right back to Brahma, is it? You know all this? At least your grandfather could say. 
Kashyap Gotra. So they trace their family line right back to the creation, and there's never been a meat eater in them. So they've got, you know, generations of at least vegetarian blood in them. Of course, being a vegetarian isn't the perfection of life because monkeys are also vegetarian. But it's a, it's for a human being, it's a good start. So he comes from a very pure family. Uh, various factors in India have spurred the Brahmin class to use their good intelligence to, among other things, become software engineers. So that's what he's doing here. But interestingly, he rediscovered 